afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin today calling in the ancestors. I call out to all those who are good and true and beautiful in your ancestral line and those in mine. I call out to all those who have gone before us, who lived well and died well, who took risks and made sacrifices, and from that were gained blessings in their life. We call out to these ancestors to guide us here today as we discuss how to live life fully and live life well, what is necessary to engage in the realm of spirit, to gain the bounty, the protection and the blessings and the benevolence that is there for us, should we only learn how to reach out. So we call out to those ancestors who knew these ways. We call out to them to circle around us here today to inspire us, to help us to go where we need to go in this conversation, to say what needs to be said, and to open our ears that we might hear what needs to be heard. So we call out to these ancestors to be with us here today. We call out to the earth below, the most fundamental ancestor for life as we know it here on this planet. We call out to the earth, the being, and we give thanks to her for the wonder of her dreaming. For the way she dreamt to, brought life, to bring life to the face of this planet, we give thanks to her for a place to belong, a place to call home, a place to ground our bodies and to be healthy and to be well, a place in which we may connect with others and a place in which we are interconnected with all things. We call out to the earth in gratitude for the great beauty of life and this existence here on this planet, and we ask the earth to help us to learn how to manifest in a good way that we might help others who are in need, that we might live fully with a footprint that is simple. And we rise up from this place here on the earth with the ancestors gathered round. We rise up and call out to the energy of the sky, the essential energy from above. And by whatever name you call the highest power in the universe, as you know it, call it down. We call down the energy of protection and blessing and guidance, inspiration, illumination, generosity, and benevolence. We call these energies into our proceedings here today that we might be held well between the energies above and the energies below, that we might be held well here between heaven and earth, and that we might draw on those energies to inspire us, to call out and awaken and open the energy of our heart. So we call out to the strong heart, the energy of the heart that in particular knows how to masterfully blend the passions of your belly that resonate with why you are here, with the clarity and wisdom that can come from the mind, and to blend these energies together in the heart that we might find a way to do what we have come here to do in a way that is good for all living things and find the will within us, the courage of heart to live it. So with these um, energies called round us here today, I would like to invite our honored guest here today, Martin Brennan. Welcome, Martin. Thank you, Christine. It's a pleasure to be here with you and all your listeners today. So Martin is um, a student of Last Mass Center, but he has also been an assistant for 12 years, the last 12 years in the cycle of transformation. He has studied spirituality and leadership for over 20 years. 
um, these dual passions have led him to serve in the Peace Corps, uh, to work with street children in the developing world, to earn an MA in creation spirituality from Naropa University, and to work in diversity and excellence in leadership um, in various places throughout America. He's traveled to over 40 countries and has been on six continents. Martin has also spent a great deal of time uh, studying shamanism, not only with me and not only in Last Mass Center, but as it manifests in his ancestral land of Ireland, um, some studying about Africa and various, various other places around the world. So Martin joins us here today with a rich and colorful past. Um, and our topic today is shamanism and life. And so I invited as a guest to our show here today one of the people in my life who I feel has mastered the art of using his life as a means to learn how to fully, robustly, passionately enjoy and engage and express himself in his life. So, uh, so Martin, that's why you're here. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's quite a, quite a tall order to step into. <laughs> So before we go too much further, though, I, I would be remiss if I didn't give deep thanks to those people who are keeping this show on the air. Yeah. So I would like, like to give thanks to the donations from Renata in particular, Melanie, Joe, Kate, Mark, and Sun. These are all listeners who have donated, and it is because of their generosity that this show is available for all of you who are listening now. So I want to give thanks to those listeners. I want to remind everyone that you, too, if are welcome to donate to Why Shamanism Now. If you find the show is helpful or meaningful in any way, I encourage you to do so. You, um, you can do this easily by just going to the whyshamanismnow.com website. You can find lots, all the shows there, even archived back to the beginning of 2009. You can also click the Support Why Shamanism Now button and donate any amount you choose to. It is all uh, deeply appreciated and every single penny of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So we thank you very much. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this, the site and all the information there. And mostly we hope you enjoy this show here today. So, Martin, without further ado, let's take a minute before we charge ahead and just I want to ask you what I ask all guests, which is what are the pivotal moments in your life? that bring you to your certainty that shamanism has changed your life. In a sense, I am asking, how do you know in your heart that it's shamanism that has actually brought more life to your life? That's a great, great question. For me, we, we have to go back about 25 years or so uh, in my teenage years. At 16, at that ripe old age of knowing so much about the world, I was in a very difficult space, so difficult that um, it would be, in our society, diagnosed as, as a deep clinical depression and attempted suicide. So at 16, at really having not even experienced the world, life was so heavy and so dark and so painful that the only way I saw forward was to exit it, was to attempt to kill myself. In that attempt, I was uh, very fortunate to come in contact with a man that ended up becoming a strong mentor. And as I clawed my way out of it, and I use that from a metaphor of literally that's how it felt, um, 
I realized that I could not um, I could not trust what had been given to me as far as what reality was in the context of whether it was from church, family, school, what my society says was successful. Because as I believed all that, I couldn't justify or I couldn't come to grips with at 16 being in such a depressive state that I would want to kill myself. I couldn't, I couldn't believe in my heart that that was the natural condition of a human being. And so that started a quest of, of, of asking, of exploring, of listening. And I was very fortunate at a young age, at that age, to have, a, as, as I said, a mentor, Greg Dietz, that basically said, son, unless you learn to listen with your heart and tap into the wisdom of the heart, this will be a demon that you will be fighting your entire life. And so it is through that path, through years of questioning, that brought me to shamanism. And with that, what I often tell people is shamanism is practical. It's, about, it's a result-driven concept. And I started to see results in my life. So I feel, to answer your question, Christina, that I come to this place of, of certainty about the true value of opening up a relationship with spirit using, if you want to say, ancient techniques, using this ancient understanding of our relationship with spirit. I speak of it so strongly because I've seen the changes in my life, seen the changes because of my life with, in my family. And now some 25 years later from that initial event that really spurred me, um, I can say that I'm not on medication. I haven't suffered uh, relapses back into depression. And when I look at my extended family, that is not always the case. And I have a very rich uh, life with wonderful loved ones in it. And so I say the result of my life is how I'm able to come to this program today and how I'm able to share my understanding as it continues to grow with people in my life. So Martin, as I listen to you, I'm actually sort of reflecting on my life and, and in a way asking myself the same question. Um, <laughs> you know, like, what the hell am I doing and why am I doing it? Um, <laughs> and, and I feel actually very similar. I, I know that through my life, there were many answers given to me, again, by family and church and culture and the time that I was born into and everything. And there is just a part of me that always knew they didn't make any sense. And so I spent a lot of my life studying science, hard science, to understand my world. I wanted answers. Right. And, of course, if you study any real science today long enough and deep enough, you start to understand that the answers are pretty strange. <laughs> you know, if, you look at, if you look at physics and mathematics today and how they are answering the actual state of our natural world, it's, um, it's, it's pretty interesting and, and frankly, pretty shamanic. Um, but the, where I was getting to with that is, is that I have always been asking why and looking for answers. And I, I think the bottom line for me around shaman is the practicality, is that I get to continue to ask questions. I finally now have a source that will give me unbiased answers. And that if I act, if I choose to act on those answers, 
that it does change my life. And that gives me a feeling of not control, but a feeling that I can engage in my life in a meaningful way and can be effective in my life. And I, and the reason I'm making this point is because I want to get to a second point, which is that my experience working with people as clients and students is that contemporary Americans, which is the large majority of my, the population of people that work with me, mm-hmm. do not ask for nearly enough from life. Mm. They settle for so little. Willing to live without joy, willing to live without passion, willing to live without a life of meaning, all to preserve some idea that's been handed down that adds up to, for most people, a life of um, ever-increasingly poor mental and physical health. And so the end years of their lives are very painful, and there's a lot of regret and um, wondering what the hell happened. So I think it's wise for people to ask what the hell happened at 16. (laughs) as you did and, and, and start to demand some answers that are worthy of the energy you find in your heart because every single person listening has a good and strong heart that is here matched only by the power of the passion for that soul's purpose. And, and as I work with people, I see that these are the two primary energies in a human. And ultimately, it's all that really matters. Why you are here and the fact that you've been given the heart required to live that. And then, of course, it's all a big mystery how you do that, and that's how life unfolds. But the point is, that is the point, that these two energies are the point. And it is um, heartbreaking to see how many people are happy to live without ever knowing either of these energies, much less putting the two together and seeing what happens. Right, so true. As as you speak, and what comes to mind is a a poem by Rumi, that the great Sufi poet. Um, the larger poem is called "Unfold Your Own Myth," and it's speaking to this sense of living big, living big, and not in the egotistical way, but living big that we each have a gift to bring. And there's just there's one stanza in the towards the end of the poem that simply says. But don't be satisfied with stories, how things have gone with others. Unfold your own myth without complicated explanations so everyone will understand the passage. We have opened you. Beautiful. And I think spirit, with, with shamanism, that we is spirit. That we is the collective we of this, of the cosmos, of the universe have opened you to the greatness and live it. And I really believe that's what Rumi is speaking to in this poem of unfold your own myth. Don't rely on what others say is true because you have a uniqueness that's never been brought forth. And now is the time. And for me, I just don't feel as much, as much um, that, um, good fortune that has been in my life. And there's been much good fortune in my life. Nothing, there is no system that I've been offered that helps me do that other than shamanism because of the creative capacity 
uh, the creative potential in that particular way of working with spirit. Um, so with that said, though, I think we should probably dive in here. Let's dive. Even further. So um, I, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen, but I've had this wonderful guest on the show a couple of times, Stephen Bear, and he, um, he recently published a beautiful book called Singing to the Plants that is about um, a couple decades of time that he spent learning from shamans and in particular working with the sacred plants in doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, I share a quote from Stephen because there's, there's a bit of an ongoing debate in shamanism and once one camp because there's politics in shamanism because of course anything in america develops politics because that's just what we do Uh, anyway (laughs) my wouldn't that energy be useful placed somewhere else but nonetheless politics and shamanism so one camp is that shamanism is a path of healing period and then there's another camp that's kind of a little more new agey and is sort of using shamanism to do everything from yoga to sell tea to, you know, wash your car. And, and so, you know, shamanism, shamanism is traditionally a path for healing and that's not incorrect. Um, and sometimes the healing that we need is a transformation or an awakening. And so here's then where that sort of traditional, um, shamanism, training in shamanism, cranking out supposed shamanic healers, and we just keep, you know, shamanic healing, shamanic healers. But that actually often the healing we need is not, is, is awakening, is transformation, is initiation, is something that will fundamentally transform us. I feel like every soul, re- soul retrieval I do is potentially that for the person who receives these soul parts back. So I think that we need to understand that while shamanism is a path to healing, healing from a shamanic perspective has a huge definition. And really, healing from a shamanic perspective is closer to the English usage of transformation than it is the way we use healing in English in America, which is basically I was healthy, I got sick, and then I got better again. Where, you know, so it's just completely foreign to shamans. Anyway, so back to Stephen. So shamanism, frankly, provides us this path of transformation. And um, what people often miss is that what's really underneath the healing and the transformation is that these, these spirits are teaching us. They're teachers. They're all teachers. And that we're here as humans learning. And so Stephen said um, really beautifully... Uh, that the spirits that we're working with are teachers that, uh, and that teacher is leading where it intends, not to some sort of enlightenment, not to self-improvement, not to community volunteer work, but into the dark and luminous realm of the spirits. So my question then, as I, I love this quote and it rings so true for me, but why would we want to go into this dark and luminous, you know, it's a paradox, dark and luminous, this dark and luminous realm of spirit where we no longer have control, we are certainly not in charge, and we go there humbly asking for help. So why on earth would we go intentionally into this realm that we, we have only one currency and that's sacrifice, we have no control, and most of the time, we don't exactly know what's going on. 
So I can just think of, of many of your readers going, you're right. Why would we Why want to go there? Why in the world should I even listen to the rest of this show? <laughs> this sounds really crazy. <laughs> you got so the great Martin, selling point right up front. Yes. Right, I'm so good at marketing. So this, so this is my question. So why? You know, what is it that you gain from going again and again into this realm that you can't get anywhere else? Why do you keep going? I think the, the short answer is what I gain is a deeper and deeper understanding of who I am. I think what the quote that you, you, you mentioned so beautifully, um, I don't believe that as we contemporary human beings in our contemporary society, the concepts of that all things are one. Everything is energy. Everything is connected. Everything affects everything. There is sacredness in everything. These are some age-old principles that we find in the different mystical traditions. We find many places being handed down. We find them as universal truths across different shamanic traditions. Well, what do those words mean? How do you experience them? The only way I know how to experience that is through shamanism, is going to where you just spoke of. It is, as I often say, shamanism is not logical because life is not logical. Life is magical. And magic does not follow logic. The co-creative process, the creation itself is magical. It's not logical. And the logic has a role to play. However, in our society, we have given it so much importance that to the exclusion of realizing that we enter into the mystery of who we are. We enter into the ability to experience everything as energy. There is sacredness in everything. When we start walking, sometimes being dragged uh, into that space that you speak of, that he, your um, previous guest, spoke of, where we're able to start to touch, to experience something larger and larger, not just with us, but with, with what we would spirit. Rumi calls it the beloved, the friend, you know, that essence. It's powerful because once you've experienced it, no matter who says, oh, that doesn't exist, your body has a gut reaction of going, oh, that's not the truth. I may not know what name to put it. I may not have a category to put it. But when you've experienced spirit in a way that you talk about that communication of them being teachers for us, you have to work really hard, really hard to forget that experience. So I can hear listeners right now in their mind going, oh, well, I do that in meditation. And I think part of the answer to the question, why is this different from meditation? Part of the answer is this. Americans have everything, everything we perceive is perceived relative to a sense of scale that we carry within ourselves. And we can have life experiences that change that sense of scale. 
my sense right now of the scale that the human being that that a regular American is working with to judge something like a, an altered state, a meditation, a ritual, a ceremony is very minimal. And I've talked about this other times on the show, so I won't go into it. But it's it's a pretty narrow range, and so I feel like some people feel that the that that fact of arrival through meditation at a still mind and a connection and a oneness with all things and that that moment or those moments in meditation where everything stops and you're just breathing in, breathing out, one with all things um, and, and in many ways disconnected from the chaos of the day, that that state of being is so profound and so frankly rarely reached through meditation, but it can be. That is so profoundly different for people that they think that that's all that there is. So I think that that's part of the problem when people say, well, why can't I just do that through meditation? Is that they don't understand that what you just described begins at that state. That state of stepping away from the daily life, being connected to all things, sort of breathing in, breathing out and being in the magic of the universe then your journey begins. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just hard. As you said, it's hard for people to imagine they've never had that. But I'm wondering if you might have another part of that answer to why what you just described isn't the same as meditation. Again, not to say that there's anything wrong with meditation, but what would you say to that person that say, oh, well, I, I do that in my meditation? I, I think there are, there are different gateways and as I see, there's a, there's much value in meditation as it's taught right now um, in this culture as, as we look around. Shamanism is a different avenue. It's a different doorway that I believe invites a further relationship with it's, – it's, as any relationship has, we have relationships with loved ones, with families, with friends, with co-workers. So too, I believe it's through shamanism that we begin to learn how to cultivate and how to deepen relationships with the spirits that we inhibit in this world together. They're just invisible to what we would technically say, oh, I can't see it. You know, it is, it is working with these spirits of the land. It's working with the elemental energies that are out there. It is working with ancestral energies that enable us to, as with this perspective that everything is sacred, these are teachers to us. And so it's not necessarily the the quietness, the expansiveness that we open up to. Because I know many times where shamanism comes in valuable for me is when I can't get that quietness. When all hell is breaking loose in my life and I am struggling to even keep my head above water, it is shamanism where I'm able to go into and through my relationship to having cultivated with spirit, get guidance on what the hell I should be doing because right now my life's falling apart. Okay, now that's a really important point that you just brought up. It's that through the cultivation of these relationships regularly on the days that aren't so bad, on those days that all hell breaks loose, that relationship is there to be relied on. And you're not trying. It's kind of like those people, uh, you know, that character in the movie who always finally prays to God when they're about to die. 
<laughs> yes. You know, where, whereas what we're really talking about is living in relationship with spirit. And so it is that cultivation yes. through those relationships daily and regularly that builds strength and understanding and an understanding of how the communication works so that on those days where our hair is on fire, everything's going to hell in a handbasket and we don't know which end is up, we can enter into those relationships and we've got some leeway there. We've got something developed there to go into to gain some answers and some direction in our lives in the time when there was no possible way we're going to be able to get that through simply breathing and calming down because we're not calm. <laughs> we're not going to be calm until we get some answers. And just have, have your readers think about what's it like to be on the receiving end of that supposed friend that only comes to you when they're in crisis. That only comes wanting something. I mean, these, these are principles that affect whether it's in the human world with human relationships or with our relationship with spirit. And this is one of the things that I think is such a depressing aspect of how many people have interpreted the message from organized religion. So I'm not dumping organized religion. I'm just saying a lot of people have gleaned from their contemporary interpretation of organized religion or Native American teachings or wherever they're going some the idea that for some reason – that they should get anything and everything they want from spirit for free. Well, that, that and, doesn't work. And that doesn't work. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the things that, you know, the teachers, the few human teachers that I've had in shamanism have articulated this very clearly, no matter what language they spoke, which was, we are here in relationship. We are here in relationship to the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, the land that we live on, the people that we're with, the animals that we're with. We are in relationship to the dead. Ed Tick and I have talked about that show after show mm. after show. We yes. are in relationship to the descendants. We are in relationship to our ancestors. We are in relationship to the, as you said, the elemental energies where we live. Most people don't even know what an elemental energy is. And we are in relationship to our helping spirits, whether we pay attention or not. We are in relationship to the spirits of the dead and the cemetery near the home that we just purchased. We are in, re- you know, we are in relationship with everything. Every, every, we are connected to everything. What that means is we are in relationship with everything. And so the question is, what kind of relationships are you in? And I frankly hate being on the receiving end of being the person I have a friend who, uh, who, who has a friend who only calls me when they're in crisis. I'm not mm-hmm. interested in that. I'm also not interested in those friends who only call me when they don't have a lover. You know, like yeah. that, that cheapness. I'm not <laughs> interested in that, you know. And, and we all know how that feels, and I don't know why it's so hard for people to understand that that heartfelt feeling is truth. And the truth of the heart translates directly into all realms. The truth of the body doesn't necessarily, the truth of the mind doesn't necessarily, even the truth of spirit. These are all shape-shifty things in other realms. But the truth of the heart, the truth you feel about your relationships with yourself and others, with God, with whatever, translates directly into the spirit world. And so, no, people, you shouldn't want benefit from the spirit world for free. That doesn't mean it should, you can go buy it with money. You buy it. You, you exchange it. You develop it in the exact same way you made friends with the kids in the neighborhood. Y'all didn't have any money. You had time. You had experience. You had heartfelt adventures and crazy conversations. And this is, this is how we cultivate friendship. 
and relationship. And as you grow older, you learn that you, you know, how to have someone's back, how to be there for someone because they're there for you and you understand that these principles are no different in other realms because they are all principles of the heart. And this is the piece that people really need to come to understand that in the realm of the heart, everything is an exchange of energy. Everything is a give and a take or, or a give and receive. And that that is how it works. And that's not a bad thing. It's just the nature of the thing. So mm-hmm. it's important that to understand that the avenue of journeying gives us a a discipline to practice again and again and again that allows us to make direct contact with spirit energies to understand that communication in such a way that we can participate on our end of that relationship, which is frankly usually the student learning from the teacher. But nonetheless, that we must participate. And and so the question that people should be asking is how do I do that? And And what I'm hoping to offer today, and of course in the show in general, is how shamanism is an answer to that question and can be for many people because of its flexibility and fluidity once you gain that, that one discipline, that journeying discipline that allows each individual their own direct access with spirit. Now you can begin to cultivate the quality of relationship Martin is describing that is so rich and opens you up to the potential of your life. So one of the things we haven't really gotten around to when we probably should just go there directly as time is ticking away. So I'm just wondering what you found. Have you found it to be true that sacrifice is, has a place in your relationship with spirit? Have you found, you know, something else works better what 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 have you found is the nature of your relationship with sacrifice and spirit? It would, I'm interested when you ask me that question. If all of your listeners could write down just in a little post-it note, what first came to mind when you used the word sacrifice? Because I know for me, it it is taking a relationship of evolving of sacrifice. Um, for me. This is at the core of my practice. And the sacrifice I find myself continually having to bring to spirits is my own life. Is the willingness to experiment with my life. And it is the a quote that I came across years ago, W.E.B. Du Bois, that basically goes to the gist of we must be willing at any moment to sacrifice who we are for who we could become. Because an authentic relationship with spirit will always be calling us to be better. All, better not from a judgment of bad and good. Better from a judgment of what we open this, this conversation with. The bigness of who we are. The unique genius of who we are. The connectedness to spirit to the divine that we bring in physical manifestation you know martin i'm smiling because in the first show with steven he we we didn't it planned to go there but we ended up spending a lot of time talking about how the plants as our teachers 
teach us to be better humans. Oh, well, it's true. I, I think all the, our relationship with spirit will teach us because it's teaching us about relationships. And it's teaching us about this willingness that Rumi talks about in, in one of his poems. He, he goes, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there's a field. I meet you there. It gets us out of this judgment about ourselves. Oh, my God, I, I'm so bad. I can't believe this. And really invites us to look back at all those places that we have those self-limiting viewpoints, that we hold judgment, that we've brought other people's criticism of us and taken it to heart and therefore have not let us truly come into this uniqueness that we are to give and in this offering that our life is to the community that we are in. And I truly believe, Christina, that the sacrifice is being willing to continually say, hmm, am I truly living my soul's purpose? Am I bringing the most of the gifts I have been given into manifestation? And if the answer is no, there's only one sacrifice that's worthy at that point. That's laying down who I am now to bring those gifts more fully into manifestation and to grow, to transform. Going back to your earlier comment, but shamanism is about transformation. That's how healing is understood in shamanism. It is. It's about being someone different. Well, and I, I always find it so interesting how panicky people get about this because the truth is if you're living well, if you're just, if you're just doing a good job, bringing your heart to the table and living well, being smart about what you're doing, having reasonable boundaries, doing your best to do what you're supposed to be doing in the world. You know, if you're living well, you're always outgrowing yourself. And I find it so interesting that people get so panicky and, and actually angry about this idea that they would have to sacrifice something. When the truth of the matter is there is a version of yourself ready to be sacrificed every single day if you're living because you've outgrown it. There's nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with you. But you have outgrown that version of yourself. And so I feel like every day, you know, we could hang up our self-suit and we've got a rack filled with little self-suits, you know, of aspects of ourself. We're more than ready to sacrifice. True. That's all life is asking for, is that you let go of what is no longer useful. You drop the leaves like the trees do, the deciduous trees do each year. That, you, that we stop hanging on to everything as if there's nothing more here and that we are willing to let those selves go and stand naked for a moment and okay. allow that next self to emerge. And it is amazing to me how angry people get when I talk about this, when you have a lifetime full of selves that are frankly dying to be sacrificed. And you, listener, you are dying for the lack of that sacrifice. And so it, it, this, this concept is amazing to me, actually, once I get into it. That there, it, there is no shortage of what needs to be sacrificed to live fully. Right, right. Rumi has a wonderful poem called Bismillah, where he speaks about this need. And he talks about to, to give up to grace. The ocean takes care of each wave till it gets to shore. You need more help than you know. You're trying to live your life in open scaffolding, say, 
Bismillah in the name of divine, as a priest does with a knife when he offers an anima. Bismillah your old self to find your real name. Bismillah your old self, that concept of we are continually dying of who we are to become who we are called to be. And I know that every meaningful relationship in my life, as long as I choose to participate, and since it's meaningful, I do my best to choose to participate, asks me constantly to look at myself and ask, hmm, you know, what could I let go of here so that we have this possibility to create this new thing, this next thing, this next step we need to take. And boy, I'm telling you, man, there is always something. There is always something that really needs to go. So that yeah. something new can come in. You know, and, and so if your readers are wondering, well, okay, this is all theory. How do you do this? You know, I'm in a wonderful relationship right now with a beautiful woman. Her name is Tatiana. And my work was, was in shamanism continually is bringing me into a better relationship with her. Because I'll find I get stuck in a story, my story. And we'll have a conversation. And all of a sudden, I, I'll blow up. And I'll look back and be like, what's that about? I don't know how I would clear if it wasn't for the fact that journey, I go to my spirit help, my spirit guide and say, okay, show me the true nature of what just happened. And through that, whether they show me a closed heart, whether they show me something that goes back to childhood with saying, you know what, you're, you're, you're stuck around this issue here. And merely this conversation brought that up. It had nothing to do with my conversation with Tatiana, but she said something that triggered something that went there. And lo and behold, I take it out on her and having to come back and say, you know what? I'm sorry about last night. It's shamanism that gives me that ability to look to see, whoa, this is about me. How am I to be able to be more present? And the only way I'm able to be more present with her and in this relationship is to be more honest with me. And shamanism has given me those tools to continually bring me back to myself. And there's a piece in that story that I think is important and kind of leads to maybe the next idea, which is that, yes, there is an incredible wealth of help for us in the spirit world. But we have to ask for it. Oh, certainly. (laughs) Ask? Yes. I mean, one of the basic principles. Spirit is not going to come in. And violate our boundaries. That's what that's what they would in fact be happening if they just came in without us asking. In this context, they're waiting for us, right? But there's a whole lot of people that are sitting around waiting to be saved. Well, they're going to be waiting a long time. I mean, <laughs> that's the pro. I mean, spirit shamanism teaches us this is a co-creative process. Absolutely. We need to open up the door because spirit's there, quite frankly. And Everywhere. Fact, quite frankly, in spirit all is always trying to connect with us. Shamanism is learning that language to start engaging in this language of the universe. And to ask for what you need in a way that the spirit world can understand and to receive from the spirit world in a way you can now go do something with it. Right. Whether that's clarity, as you were just using that example about what aspect of yourself needs to be sacrificed so that you can move on and have this possibility for a deeper relationship. Or whether it's a soul part that needs to be brought back or whether it's ancestral healing that needs to happen. You know, what the answer is doesn't matter. 
Because once we have it, we can just go do it. But the, the, the main uh, life-giving force in shamanism is it allows us to engage intelligently and clearly and in a heartfelt way with that huge, huge realm of spirit that is available to us to assist us as teachers and healers and guides in all things. But we have to ask. And we have to ask in a way that allows us to understand the answer. Because, of course, people are asking for help all over the world all the time, too. And wondering where the help is. If spirit's everywhere, why am I not getting any help? And part of the problem is we can't do this willy-nilly. There are laws uh, and principles of energy based on the actual fact of our world. And that what what the shamanic teachings have done is is found and cultivated over time ways in which humans are able to engage effectively with this vast resource of spirit ask directly and receive help that then can be used to make life different here in the in the everydayness of things right so i think it's just really important you have to ask for help and you have to ask in a in a way that you can understand the answer correct just as in any relationship we know there's effective ways to be asking our partners for help or co-workers for help and i would like to for us to step back because i can i can I can visualize a reader or listener right now listening and being like, okay, following. But I don't think we've set the context. There's a contextual piece that shamanism provides that then, as what we are saying now, I think slots in uh, more fully. And that contextual piece is that shamanism invites us into a worldview that is alive into a worldview that says everything around us right now, it invites us to take this perspective. What if everything is teaching me at this moment? Life, what's in my life, the what's going on. What if the entire universe is conspiring for me to live my soul's purpose? What would that mean? And, and Hafiz, there's a poem I've carried around for years, and Hafiz, uh, another great Sufi poet, It's titled, If God Invited You to a Party. And it simply says, if God invited you to a party and said, everyone in the ballroom tonight will be my special guest. How would you then treat them when you arrived? Indeed, indeed. And Hafiz knows there is no one in this world who is not upon his jeweled dance floor. Context being, we are co-creative processing with all that is around us? Are we able to be open up so that when we ask, the answer may not be a bullhorn in our ear. The answer may be right in front of us in the difficulty we're having in the relationship, in the frustration we're feeling at work, in the joy that we feel when we dance, but we only allow ourselves to do that over here. You know, it's learning the language of how then does that response come through to us. And shamanism gives us the skills, the gifts to tap in. Where do we need to be listening? I often will go to my spirit guide and go, okay, I know the answer is here. Where am I not hearing it? And usually it's right in front of my face. And I have one spirit that's just like, well, Tommy came and asked me that. 
Let's look here. <laughs> and it's been right there. So one of the things I'm thinking as I'm listening is there is an aspect, you know, once, once this context is a perspective from which you live and you've cultivated you, these relationships with spirit, which you'll be cultivating throughout your whole life. Oh sure, and and you know, and the and the and and thus the spirit world is being used to assist you in living your life, which is basically what shamanism is in a mm-hmm. simple definition. I was listening to you though, and thinking about how I've called shamanism in lately. In there have been some big transitions in my life and um, great challenges, and um. The kinds of things where I, where I really find myself on my knees, um, at, you know, faced with the challenges of my life, just, you know, you know, how did I get here and, and what is being asked of me and how do I go forward from here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, as I was listening to you, I realized my, I circled back to sacrifice again because there is another side of sacrifice. Once you recognize it is the currency that you bring. It, it is the true currency is your willingness to sacrifice to become what you might be. And that, that is certainly true. And in shamanism, one of the things people really need to get a grip on is in the, in the indigenous world, there was always an exchange of energy. There was always an exchange that balanced what was offered through the shamanic healing. Now, in many of these cultures, there wasn't any money, so money wasn't usually involved. But money's not a bad thing. There's nothing inherently wrong with that as an exchange of energy since that is part of our world now as long as it is all done from this understanding of this need in relationship to exchange and keep the energies balanced. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Faced with these huge life challenges where you're, you know, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing in life. Your shamanic practices, your meditations, your qigong, you know, the whole deal. And, it, and still, it's all going to hell in a handbasket anyway. So what is being asked in those moments when you're really on your knees, just, just as confused as it can be? And I realize that what I've seen now in those moments is that I am not conscious of the sacrifices that I have made. And I have not made clear to the spirit world what I want for them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I've really come to understand that if I, because um, I recently, is, I I recently made a whole bunch of practical decisions and heartfelt decisions to leave my single life and move in with my partner in his home. Well, what I didn't understand in that is I didn't take seriously what I was doing shamanically. Ironically enough, I didn't recognize that my life that I had created up until that point in time as a single person was beautiful. It had great richness and beauty in it and magic. And I was literally giving it up for something else, for the possibility of something else. That is the essence of sacrifice. And I didn't make it an intentional sacrifice. Mm. I just packed boxes and moved. And I and so my I was forced to circle back around and go. Wait a minute. Okay, this was a huge sacrifice, which I make lovingly and willingly. But this is an enormous sacrifice to give up. I've spent you know the first half of my life crafting this, 
and I give it all up and I give it up freely for this to walk into the unknown. I have no idea what this experience is going to be like, but this is what I want from it. This is the piece I do know. And so I had to circle back round and really bring into a ritual context this and, and acknowledge and honor and make clear that I did realize I had made this enormous sacrifice, that it was very valuable and that I had given it all up and that I was open to this new life. And this is what I was asking for in my new life and to ask for it, to lay that exchange out and how those things will come to me have, are not going to be anything like what I imagined they would be. But I trust that they'll come. They just will be in other forms. And, and if I'm, you know, doing my job well, I'll recognize them when they get here. But that is the other side of sacrifice is often life is happening and people aren't realizing that they are living shamanically whether they know it or not. Mm. And, and to begin to make those, um, I don't mean gestures in a, in a superficial sense, but to make those actions that we're taking in life to, to bring your intelligence and your awareness to it, to give them their sacred significance so that your life can start to take on its sacred significance. Because as, um, one of the, shamans we interviewed in the initiation series said you know if you don't notice it it didn't happen Mm, like these changes and transformations and all these things you know if you didn't notice it then you need it to happen again and you just keep cycling around and around and around until you do notice until you finally notice and one hopes that would happen prior to dying yes don't we all this time (laughs) (laughs) investing a lot of time and energy right now let's get let's get a couple of these lessons learned yeah yeah while we've still got time to to enjoy the fruits of having learned those lessons because many of them are not coming easily you know we want to learn them in time to actually use them and and have some fun so one of the things martin also that we haven't really kind of circled around to yet is the the notion of of this next step from sacrifice really into ritual. Right. And we are and just going to have enough, enough time to open this up and leave your reader just hanging for more. Right. Right. <laughs> but it's so true. R- ritual. And I know and I've, you've talked about this on previous show, the difference between ritual and ceremony and that deep understanding and ritual is where we, we come in hum- humility the spirit world and, and basically say, listen, I can't do this. Or it would take me so long and so much energy to do this. I don't have it within me. I need your help. And it's where we really call spirit in many ways to do what they are here to do, which is to help us change in this world by first changing the code in the spirit world. And so ritual opens up that space for transformation. It is where we, when we use shamanism through our cultivation of our, our spirit help, through our cultivation with the spirit world, go there and say, all right, I need help because this needs to change in this physical world. And I'm being guided 
being asked to use fire, being guided, being asked to use earth, being guided, asked to use the ancestors to help move this energy, change this energy to something new here. And this can be used, you know, when we talk about ritual, people either think about something that is empty, since one of, that's one of the ways the word is used in America now to imply that that series of events is an empty habit. And we Correct. mean, of course, the exact opposite. Correct. But also then people kind of glaze over because it sounds so exotic and un-American. Um, but to the truth of the matter is, you know, I feel ritual is necessary for some very American problems we have right now, which is how do we help soldiers deal with the dead they are now connected with from having served our country. We are not going to be able to complete that, to show up for those people and complete that until we bring ritual into the process. How do we deal with addiction, especially some of the incredible addictions people are dealing with now with some nasty drugs that do not want to let go? Mm-hmm. You know, these, these very serious American everyday problems can be resolved but not until we come to understand that ritual is a piece of the answer because it is that way that we can go to spirit and ask for help to do what we are unable to do for ourselves alone. And, and then in that co-creation to co-create an answer. Yeah. So in the last two minutes of the show, <laughs> one minute of the show, Martin, if you had to, if you had to put it just in a nutshell, what is it that you feel shamanism really does that allows you to live life fully? Passionate. Shaman, yeah, shamanism continually invites me to look at where I'm fearful and to move from fear into love. From fear of myself into love of myself and in that being able to bring that love into my relationships, into my family, into the work I do continually calls me to live my life in wider and wider circles and to live my life as it was put in a poem that I recently wrote as a legend of, of truly knowing that I am sharing the very best of what I have at this moment that I can. Thank you, Martin. Thank you for joining us here today. I give thanks to you and I give thanks to your ancestors for the wonder of their dreaming that brought you here to be with us on the planet today. And I give thanks to the ancestors who have joined us here. Thanks to the earth below and the sky above and to the heart energy that unites us all. So, Martin, um, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. And thank you to all your listeners. Lessons on the day. And I want to let everybody know that this little series, this little summer series of shamanism and interesting things, um, continues next week with shamanism and sex. People are often very surprised that the spirits have so much to say about sex and to offer about sex. And largely that is because, from a shamanic perspective, a robust and healthy sexual life is important for well-being. And so next week... We will be discussing shamanism and sex. And until then, everyone, have a great week. (laughs) Think about what you could sacrifice today uh, to become the person you were meant to be. Thank you all for listening.